one thing that I've mastered during quarantine is how to use Zoom to virtually convene. Thank you for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. He's Eric, and I'm Hannah. And I didn't laugh this time. Just I was you know. laughing. <laughs> we created this podcast to share adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions that we have on birding topics. We are definitely not experts. Anything that we discuss that might be controversial, we want you to remember that they're our own opinions, and they might be different from yours. So somebody pointed out the other day on Facebook that we're like six months or so into COVID times. So Yeah, so there, there was... A discussion I saw about that people need to stop, start taking down their signs that are saying, in these unprecedented times, waits are longer and all, all this stuff, because we've had six months, which I'm not saying anybody hasn't had ample time to adjust, but um, we've had six months and a lot of places are now using the COVID as an excuse as to why their lines are long or why they X, Y, Z. Which, I mean, but. like, where we're at, so we're in a tourist destination, mm-hmm. and there are still restaurants that, like, cannot find wait staff. Like, our favorite yeah. restaurant, they usually close at, like, 10, but now they're closing at 8 because they can't find the staffing to maintain, you know, long hours. So, yeah. I do get situations like that. Oh, I, I, can, I can understand both sides of the conversation that was brought up. Like, it's, it's been six months, you've had time to adjust, but also, like, this is... This is a whole different thing that so, nobody has ever experienced before, and not being able to find staff in like here at the beach. We're we're in a vacation town, so it's like nonstop pedal to the metal, go 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 all summer long. But nobody's able to find any staff in order to do do that. So almost every restaurant clo- is closing at least two to three hours earlier than they historically have closed during the summer. So what? What's the time frame for unprecedented events? <laughs> I don't know. So when can you when when I should I like realistically? Like, I, I should have brought that up. When when does it? How much change? longer can I use it as an excuse? Yeah, that's is basically what I want. I, yeah, I, I guess I should have asked that question. I, I just who said, are you to decide? Yeah, who? Yeah, I can't remember who brought it up, but yeah, who are you to decide? Whoever <laughs> it was that brought this up. It's just you know we've all learned so much. I think like. Um, I think in like week one or two is when I learned that social distancing is a science that people actually study. Like pre pre COVID, that was a thing that was. I had no idea. A, a, a doctorate thing that people spent time I, dealing with. I guess I public health. Like I I knew people in college that were like studying public health, mm-hmm. but I had like no idea what that even meant. I, like I thought you know wastewater technicians or you know they're going into to figuring out. That sort of thing, like or, sewage or, systems. Or, or working for, like, Clatsop County, like, your county health department, stuff like that. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah. I didn't even know, like, how... What they did there. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, how fortunate we are that there are people who were considering these sorts of things. So, it's... Yeah, that's true. You know, it, everything could potentially be worse and everything could potentially have been better. So... Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. And we're, we're trucking along here in Cana Beach. And we hope you're truckling, tr- truckling along wherever you're at. Truckling? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's like trucking and chuckling at the same time. Yeah. You're just, you're just laughing. You're... If you're not laughing, you're crying, so you're, you're going ahead and laughing. <laughs> Basically, that's my life now. <laughs> so, uh, I know you wanted to talk about your mustache. So, I don't want to talk about my mustache. So, I... 
Because we're like it's like the elephant in the room with us. Yeah. So I try to wear a um my fabric mask all the time when I'm around Hannah because I'm secretly <laughs> growing a firefighter's mustache. What? I didn't know. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a secret. Don't let her know. Um, but it's not going well. It's not going well at all. I so I, I always ever since I got out of high school, I've had a beard. I have full beard, full mustache, the whole facial hair, basically just keep it generally under control and <laughs> sometimes. then sometimes a lot of times i get let it go a little crazy but um because i joined the volunteer firefighters here i had to shave it all off just to uh be able to get the scba on um otherwise i get leaks and it doesn't matter all, all safety safety so um i shaved it all off it's all gone and i've decided um a couple like four days ago or five days ago i'm gonna <laughs> stop shaving my mustache and see what happens and it's it's not going well. Well, <laughs> at uh, first it looked like he just had like a burnt lip or something. Like you know he, he sunburned just above his lip. Yeah. Because like he has he has such different hair colors. Like I know. it's fun when his beard starts to come in because I want to take a marker and like draw the different colors of beard because like just to the sides of his chin it's like real dark and then part of his cheek is real light and it's just your yeah. hair color is weird my, and my, my hair color on my head is brown universal all the way across from ba- front to back right, except, there's real ex- orange. except for the gray spots we'll see this is this is my sideburns, sideburns that i'm letting kind of go a little bit so that um, that's where the orange that's, comes that's in. part of my beard yeah i guess <laughs> that's part of my mutton chops it's, it's reddish but yeah my my beard is mostly red with like brown mixed in and there's a few white spots now but but it's just kind of different shades of brown and red all throughout so my mustache is mostly red, so it's like Hannah said, looks kind of like a sunburn on my lip. So, yeah, now it kind of looks um, like it's—I <laughs> don't know how long, like a quarter inch or like a centimeter. So know. it looks really spiky. Like I don't want to get near it. <laughs> <laughs> it's my defense mechanism. Wow! Just, mm, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so enough about your mustache. Anyways, anyways, that's. That's uh, that's what's going on in Eric's life right now. <laughs> so, um, news of the podcast. We've had a couple emails recently, which we are so appreciative of people sending us emails that you think about us when we're not jabbering at you. And one of them was from John, who lives in Hufta, Sweden. Mm-hmm. And um, he that was the reason why we learned to pronounce Hufta, because it, it's in English, I mean, it looks like it's would be pronounced Skovdi. Um, if you haven't listened to like the four times we've mentioned this, at least already. four times we've talked about it. Anyways, we're, we're, I'm just fascinated by the other language. other languages, just the way other languages work. So, well, anyways, so John emailed us and let us know that we finally pronounced the name of his town properly. So, yeah. thank you so much, John from Khovda. And you're welcome. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, and you're welcome. And we can officially, <laughs> you know, speak a little bit of Swedish. Yeah, one word. Yes. <laughs> I can't remember all the other ones. I don't know. There were other words we learned, but they, none of them were as complicated as uh, words with the silent CH in them. And so. the umla- umlaut? Is it? Uh, yeah, there's, an umlaut, there's right? umlauts, yeah. Okay. Well, um, uh, yeah. Oh, cause... yes, go Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry, John. Anyways. Put a dollar in the jar. Yeah. Anyways, our top listenership for uh, our last episode, what did we have? Tied for first, we had two, two different cities. We had Mountain View, California, and Seattle, Washington. So that's exciting. Mountain View, Mountain View's been up there for a while. Seattle is closer to us. But they've been, on, they've been number one before. Yeah, yeah. They're also big. Seattle's a big city, so I mean, 
I don't know anything don't know. about Mountain View. We, but we, we should look it up because it's been like three different episodes in a row that they've been number one or number two. Yeah, I think we've probably driven through there. I'm sure we have. And then uh, second was Atlanta, Georgia. So mm-hmm. thank you all for tuning in. If you'd like us to say your weird town name, none of these were weird or confusing. And Seattle, do- Atlanta, those are very hard words to say. <laughs> for some people, I'm sure. Um, so thank you for checking us out. And we also actually had something else happen recently. We had a listener come and stay with us at our hotel. Um, Karen and oh, yeah, her cousin. Yeah, yeah. yeah they no, came. That was just the other day. Mm-hmm. I totally forgot. Um, but they, I, I forgot that it was within this last cycle. <laughs> <laughs> they came and stayed with us to check out Puffins, and I think her cousin ended up getting, like, what, five or six lifers? She's from South Carolina, I think, I think, I think she said. I think it was seven lifers. My gosh, that's what, amazing. What they ended up with. Amer- yeah. American Dipper. Tefta Puffin, Common Myrrh. Yeah, basically everything on the rock was a lifer. So um, Black Oyster Catcher, both the Cormorants, Brants, and... Um, oh, what? wait, no, Brants wasn't new for them. But, oh, okay. But uh, Pelagic was new. And common myrrh, pigeon guillemot, harlequin duck, um, tufted puffin. So, a good a good trip for him. Yeah. So, and thank you for the beer that you left us. Yeah, that was very it, nice. Yeah, seriously, it was good. It was R- some... Ranger IPA yeah. from. Uh, I drink it. Some voodoo. Right? Yeah, voodoo. Voodoo IPA from Ranger. Ah oh, man. It's got both of those words in yeah, there. It's voodoo and Ranger. Maybe it's Voodoo Ranger IPA. And it's like a juicy IPA. Yeah, it was, it it was, was really, really good. good. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. So thank you guys for checking us out and for yeah, it was good to see you again. Yeah. Seriously. Um, so then we also had a couple reviews. Eric, would you like to kick us off? Yeah, so our first, um, our first review that we have is from, uh, Zono Sparrow. Um, they gave us five stars. This pod, this pod is a treasure. I recently started birding at age 50. I gravitate towards the birding podcasts by younger hosts because I love their energy. I enjoy their cultures, culture, cultural slash generational touch points being different from my own, and I admire that they got started birding so early. Hannah and Eric Go Birding are in my top three birding podcasts. I'm enjoying going through the back catalog. More recently, I thought the interview with eBird reviewer Adrian Hinkle was was most interesting and that Adrian was charming. Hannah and Eric get great guests and they are natural interviewers who, who listen well and ask excellent questions. Count me a big fan. I appreciate all the work that goes into such an exceptional good pod. Exceptionally good pod. Michelle from the... In the Hudson Valley of New York, P.S., you can maybe guess that from my handle, the white-throated sparrow was my spark bird. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Zona Sparrow. Or Zona? Zona? Zona Sparrow? I don't know what... Zona, Zona Trichius. I don't know. I guess it would be Zona Sparrow. It's Latin. Yeah, it's Latin. So. It's, it's not a language people are speaking, so That's you can pronounce it however you want. Basically. Yeah, so thank you so much for, for the review, and we... We appreciate that uh, that you got into birding now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it doesn't matter what age you start. If you start young, you start old, you start medium, you start whatever. Well, and I think it's yeah. funny that she said that, you know, that we got start early, birding so early. I feel like we came into it late. Like, obviously, you know, there's people that are older than us that mm-hmm. are just getting into it or started at a later age. But, like, the more that we're getting into, like, the birding community, it's like everybody started when they're a kid. And I feel like I'm trying to catch up. Yeah, play, playing catch up. But... It's all right. Yeah. Um, it's a good game to play catch up of. I mean, like, <laughs> as long as you find it at some point in your life, right? Yeah. You're good. Or if you don't like birds, you don't have to find birding. No, no, no. Everyone has to like birds. That's the rule. Wow. You can't not like birds. <laughs> One of my friends doesn't like whales. I'm like, how can you not like whales? What has a whale ever done to you? <laughs> 
Um, and then we the, had... the whales, they're just so mean. They're like the bullies of the ocean. No, they're so sweet. <laughs> Are you kidding me? They're out there. They're eating all the krill. I love whales. They, there's no krill left for the rest of us. You want some krill? I want, I'm, I'm, I'm angry that the whales are eating all of it. Wow. <laughs> Anyways, um, so then we had another review from, I think it's Julio Bulli. Julio Bulli. Yeah. Who yeah. said, great podcast. I'm new to birding, but I love listening to this podcast at work. So thank you so much, Julie, I'm guessing, for, <laughs> for your review. And I'm glad that we can help you fill your work day. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to everyone else who's rated and reviewed. We like we say every single episode we appreciate it, and um, we're yeah yeah we really we we like to read them yeah. and we like to read them on air too because that's that's exciting <laughs> <laughs> exciting for us. It's showing off. It's showing sure yeah. <laughs> um, so another thing in news that's not podcast related: um, the McCowan's long spur was that the vote was last week. I think last Wednesday. Yeah, something like that. Um, the um, AOS has voted to change the name. It is now officially known as the Thick Build Long Spur. So it is the based on its that its bill is slightly thicker than other long spurs. Slightly. Something I'm sure we will be able to tell when we see one. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's be- better than being named after a Confederate Confederate general racist. It's a field mark of some sort. So bird names for birds. That's basically. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> um, so then, besides that, the Great Texas Birding Classic, which is one of our favorite things to do every year that we look forward to. Look forward to every spring. Yep. And they, COVID. Yep. And so they have um, relaunched this year's uh, competition. And so it's going to be October 1st through the 31st. Mm-hmm. Um I, I'm hoping to go. I know Eric's a little bit more hesitant about it. And they've changed their uh, the way that they're doing competitions a lot. So we so you can do, like, distance from um, team member to team member. So if mm-hmm. you didn't, you know, quarantine together, you can still uh, participate but do it separately. So we'll put that information in the show notes if you guys want to check it out. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how that works out this year. Yeah. I Based on, like, reading the rules, it kind of seems like Shelly's trying to discourage out-of-state travel into Texas. How dare they? Which is is fine. I mean, it's, we shouldn't be, people shouldn't be flying and stuff, probably. Shouldn't be flying and stuff anyways, but it's the, the, go, we'll, we'll include a show note, the link in the show notes, so you can, you can read through the rules and stuff. So if you happen to live in Texas or near enough to drive into Texas, then, uh, I, I think you should participate in some fashion. It's, it's great. The money the money goes towards conservation, all grant tree fees. So it's it's a it's a whole it's a good good program all put together, and it's a heck of a lot of fun. And the um, artwork this year is just gorgeous. I can't remember who the artist is, but it's American Avocets. Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely beautiful. I just I like it every year for the shirt, and I yeah. know Eric does too. Yeah, I, I, I love I love the having the shirts. I wear most of my shirts are Bird and Classic shirts, but um, this year they also made an adjustment to add a mask to the avocet oh did they yeah. i haven't seen that one yeah, yet. She, she she posted and as part of the um the advertisements for the the fall the That's new fine. the new fall competition there's masks on all the avocets <laughs> which I, I think i i only looked at it kind of fleetingly but it, it looked like even fleetingly that the masks were like well done on the face yeah. instead of like just plastered on it in, instead of just like a copy paste some clip art of a mask onto a face so That's like, what i would do <laughs> yeah well that's what the city of Cannon beach did with the signs all around town. It's yeah, like we have clip art a bunch of masks onto things. It's like what you spent how many of a thousand dollars on these signs and you just 
instead of like investing in the art, you just like clip art a mask onto some stuff. Yeah. So side yeah. note, they um, our city, <laughs> they put up all these signs everywhere that says like, please wear a mask, and they're like street signs. Like, they're the size of, like, you know, a no parking here sign or something so, like some that. Some of them are bigger and smaller. They have, they have a couple different sizes, but they're metal printed signs that are up on... on uh, they're underneath, like, stuff. stop signs. Yeah. And it, it'll be, like, a picture of an elk, and then it'll have a mask over its face. And, yeah, like Eric said, it's, um, it's uh, yeah, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. The, the, art, the artwork definitely seems like it was just somebody sitting at City Hall decided to copy and paste some clip art onto some pictures of elk. And the pictures of the animals that they've masked up, the pictures, they're fine. They're But it's the mask that just, like, it does not fit. Like, there wasn't any kind of creativity as to how to affix a mask onto animals. Pumpkins and stuff. Anyways. Small town complaints. <laughs> um, so besides all that, yeah. if we still have your attention. Yeah, if we, if we haven't lost you already. <laughs> um, so we are here to tell you guys this episode is about the Southeast Arizona Virtual Birding Festival that took place um, August 5th through the 7th. And it was entirely online via Zoom. and Which is a whole new... I mean, this is a whole new world that we're trying to deal with. I mean... Things might change for next year. We might vaccine all that stuff. We might be able to figure some stuff out. But at least for the time being, they were able to adapt and come up with this way to have a festival via Zoom, but still be about birds. Yeah. So that was that was awesome. Yeah. No, I was really excited when I saw that they were going to have this out um, because it was like, you know, great effort. Yeah, for and sure. And we're bummed that we couldn't, you know, be down in like Arizona, but uh, we're glad that we were still able to participate. And last we had heard, about 500 people had registered, which we talked to the coordinator a couple weeks before, mm-hmm. and he had hoped that 300 would register. Yeah, so he, two, 200 more than he hoped. I, I don't know if that was the final numbers. Um, we didn't, we haven't had a chance to get caught back up with uh, Luke with Luke yet, but uh, as the last we heard, which was just like a couple, it was like two days before the festival began, it, there were up to 500 people registered, so... Yeah, which is just awesome how it's, many people um, tuned in for it. Yeah, seriously. And we we did some, some sessions and stuff, and it was, su- it was super exciting. Yeah, so they had about seven um, opportunities throughout the thing. Uh, but first, before we get into that, yeah, yeah. so the registration for it was only $20. So, you know, very, very reasonable for a birding festival. For a festival, yeah. Um, Zoom is free, so we didn't have to pay to use that service, which, of course, the the you know, Audubon Society that put it on and everything, they did have to pay for the, like, webinar system, which yeah. is pretty expensive. It's, um, it's, it's actually, Zoom's fairly reasonable still, though. Well, even, I have the, I have the, like, basic level, and that's, like, $15 a month. Mm-hmm. But, like, once you get into, like, the webinar and the professional, it's, like, a, I, I, it's a pretty what, good amount more. Okay. I, I, was, I was just thinking, for a festival to have 500 people registered yeah. at, at $20 per registrant. Well, and you use it for more than just and, like the festival. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure the Audubon Society probably uses it for a lot of their presentations just generally. Yeah. And so half of that fee um, from the registration went to support conservation work being done at, I think it's pronounced Sunita Creek Watershed. Is that how you would pronounce that? That's how I would pronounce it. I, so I listened to them talk a little bit about it during one of the, one of the webinars and I did not have a very good internet connection. So I I could really only half understand what was being said, and that that was entirely on my end. It wasn't a Zoom issue or an issue with their the way they were presenting it. I 
kept it in my kept my phone in my pocket, turned up really loud, and I was going in and out of Wi-Fi service around the hotel as I was wandering back and forth. So, well, anyways, I missed I missed a lot of it. <laughs> so, um, the the conservation effort though that's something new that they introduced this year, and it has a focus on that conservation being done in Southeast Arizona, and they chose the Sunid. How would you pronounce it? Sonido Creek Watershed. Sonoida. My mouth can't make that. Sonoida? I don't... Yeah. Um, Anyways, it originates in in the Patagonia (laughs) Mountains and flows through Patagonia. And it suffered habitat degradation due to history of mining, cattle, um, and then just, you know, general poor land use. General humans. (laughs) And so, you know, that watershed is supports an amazing amount of biodiversity and critical habitats and places that, you know, we definitely want to go and bird at. And so it was you know, an easy decision to, you know, register for the mm-hmm. event because, you know, $20 and half of it goes towards the conservation of this land. And even if we couldn't listen to any of this stuff, it's like, okay, well, that's $10 each that we're just donating to this cause, yeah. which is someplace we really want to go. So it's like, yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah. And if you know anything about Southeast Arizona, the hummingbirds down there are just like wild. And so, um, <laughs> you know, so many of them. And R- rather so- than all the captive ones we have. <laughs> up here in Oregon. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> well, everywhere else in the country, they're captive. No, you know what I mean. It's just, just it's just like <laughs> incredible the hummingbirds yeah. down in the Patagonia area, and I know that I want to go see them at some point in my life. Um, so yeah, oh, man, we didn't even talk about Utah. What about Utah? How everybody's like driving us oh to go gosh. to Utah. Yeah, everyone. We've got a couple emails about people that are like, "Oh, I'm in Utah. You should come down here." We did. Yeah, yeah. we got. Yeah, and then this we is also, completely unrelated to the festival. I know. Sorry. So back, back, back. We'll back out of the festival. We'll, we'll get back into it. <laughs> like Eric said, so we had somebody um, email us and like, "Have you been to Utah yet? You need to come to Utah." And then we met some guys on the beach, like that didn't really seem approachable and then they like just like walked up to us and started talking to us and they were like we're from or from utah like you need to come visit all these places and then i did um my most recent podcast of women birders happy hour Mm -hmm. was with karina sanchez who's from utah and she was like telling me all this stuff about utah and it's like okay i guess we gotta go we we gotta go so We've, we've driven through it was amazing when we drove through so anyways we're gonna have to do a southeast or southeast, southwest, southwest. Uh, yeah, bird trip sometime through Utah and like Arizona and New Mexico. So someday. Yeah. Segway over. Back to the <laughs> festival. Um, so they had seven different presentations over the span of three days, which actually worked out really nice that um, if you're working or something like that, you could tune in for like an hour presentation and mm-hmm. then a couple hours later there was another one. So it wasn't, it wasn't. Like, it took all day, which was really nice, especially since it was during weekdays. Yeah, and a lot of them, for us West Coast people, if you, we weren't able to, we were working, but if you were able to, like, go birding, you go birding in the morning, and none of the sessions started really that early. Yeah. I can't remember what time the birds and coffee started, but it was, I think it was, like, 10 in the morning or something. Something like that. So, it was, you, you could go out birding and then, and then catch the birds and coffee session and then go get lunch yeah or catch whatever afternoon program after you've been birding all morning so the, like the, the timing that they did for these events worked worked great if you're on the west coast you can go out and do stuff in the morning and then in the afternoon there was presentations just just as if you were at a festival except for you're by yourself birding and then and then watching these presentations 
And the presentations uh, throughout the whole thing, they range widely on what sort of things were covered, like optic demonstrations to conservation of local wildlife, and then chuckleheads like Eric and me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course there was like a social hour portion every day of the festival as, as every good festival has yes definitely <laughs> some of them we brought beer unfortunately they did not provide beer we had to have our own you had to provide your own beer I know, for this festival which was kind of a bummer <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah so we'll just kind of go through some of the different activities and events that we participated in um, the first one, kind of the kickoff, I guess, of the whole festival was Birdability Forum. And that was by Virginia Rose, mm-hmm. who I'm sure you guys are aware of. But um, she started off with Travis Audubon. I don't even think she works for Travis Audubon. She, like, volunteers Volunteers with him, I believe. Yeah, which her whole thing is really interesting. So she's in a wheelchair. And she, you know, had birded in places and needed people's help getting you know, over bridges and getting upstairs and things like that because you'd you'd be out on the trail and you'd run into something that you didn't realize would be there. And so Virginia's um, went out to some of these places and she's measuring the birdability of different locations. And this was actually something that was been adapted by National Audubon. And so they're keeping track of places that are birdable as well. And Taiki talked about that in our interview with him. So... She was, I thought she was just so inspirational and talking about like, you know, not everybody can get everywhere, but we can still try to reduce some of those limitations so people can get more places. Yeah. And, and she, she brought up two things. I've never heard her present. We've been at lots of festivals where she's at presenting. We just haven't had time to She's usually at the Rio Grande Valley Festival. She's usually at Rio Grande and like she, she's there and I've never had a chance to listen to her presentation about anything before. So this was nice that. I finally got to listen in. And two, two things that really stood out was um, that she, she brought up that if you're, if you're disabled in any way, you're aware that you're not going to be able to do everything, but you want to be able to do something. As much you, as you, you, can. Wanna, you want to be included as much as, as much as possible. And there are plenty of ways that we're not including people where, when we could be. And then the other thing that I've, had not even considered at all and it's because because i i'm six one and so i any any kind of railing only really ever comes up to like my waist or mid thigh anyways um is the railings a lot of times if the boardwalk is made with railings it might be wide enough for a wheelchair to go up but a lot of times the supports and the cross beams of those rails are placed in such a way that you can't see anything while you're sitting in a wheelchair so making something to do with how to design blinds and how to design railings that are still safe but don't obstruct the view of somebody sitting in a wheelchair. So that was, I hadn't even considered that as a limiting factor of not being able to see because it's a you're sitting so much lower. Yeah. But it's there are two two big takeaways that I got from from her uh, presentation. Well, and I th- think it's a really interesting um, concept, and I'm, I'm glad that she's out there doing this work. So I have a master's degree in parks and recreation man- in tours and management, and it was an online program that I completed, and a lot of it um, had to do with accessibility. And so Eric and I, as part of my class, had to go to, like, city parks and our local city parks and look at, 
you know, the accessibility, like, is there bus access? Is there, um, you know, is this, uh, are there bathrooms here? And so we looked at a lot of different concepts of like Mm -hmm. parks and like, you know, could people travel to this location? Because so much of it was based on like, um, not like accessibility, whether, you know, somebody who is, you know, in a wheelchair can access it, but it's more like urban access. So like, if somebody doesn't have a car, can they get to this location? Economic and, access yeah, to parks. Yeah, is nature ac- accessible to, you know, all socioeconomic classes? And um, so this was just another thing that we hadn't really considered mm-hmm. so much when we were doing all this coursework. And I'm, you know, so glad, like I said, I'm so glad that she's out there doing this and promoting this program. And that's definitely something I'm going to be thinking of when, you know, we're around a park or something like that. Like, is this place accessible? Like, if I was in a wheelchair, would I be able to be at this location? Yeah. And, you can, know. Can you get up and down the boardwalk? Can, if if you were to encounter someone else in a wheelchair, is there a way for you to get around each other? Yeah. Like, is, like, these these smaller, like, details that people that are in a wheelchair think about constantly. But if, if you're not in a wheelchair, you might not even... Not even, not even think about it because you're just, you were just walking along. Well, and so one of the things she talked about was like parking, um, yeah. because oh, yeah. she had, she has a van, um, mm-hmm. that she drives and like, can she get out of it? Like is the, she, she needs, I think she said either six or eight feet of access on the side in order for the, the door to open and the, the wheelchair lift. ramp to, to deploy. Yeah. And if you don't have all of that, then. Then you can't you, even get into the park in the first place. Yeah, you can't even, you can't even get out of your car. Yeah. So it was like. Is there enough? Is there enough space? Are you going to go off the cliff? Are you going to be in a puddle? Like st- stuff like that that you just don't even don't you don't even think about unless you're put, placed in a situation where you have to think about it. Well, and you know the way Virginia talks about it, she's really positive about it, and mm-hmm. she's like the she sounds like she's excited for a future where there is more accessible locations, and you know she understands that there are going to be places that aren't accessible. Um, but making more places accessible is her goal. And so I'm really excited. Like I said, that Audubon is taking that on. And also the Tucson Audubon was, um, you know, requesting help from her so they can start their own program. Yeah. So that was a really great talk. So if you guys ever, um, see her Virginia at a festival and I'm sure she has presentations online that you can check out, but yeah, it was just a really inspirational talk. So next after that was uh, Burning with a Purpose, and they talked about Cuckoo Corridor, which is um, a swath of land that's down in the Tucson area that's being, um, that they're working on removing invasive Johnson grass and planting native species, creating a haven for yellow-billed cuckoos, which is just interesting to me because, like, you know, in Texas, everybody was talking about, like, getting rid of cowbirds because, you know, they are bad and they, you know, lay eggs in other birds' nests and cuckoos do the same they thing. Do the same thing. <laughs> it's, just, it's just what the bird... I know. There's not an abundance of cuckoos, though. Yeah. So it's well, just... And then a lot of places, there's not an abundance of cowbirds anyways. That, yeah, that's but... true. It's just, it's a different concept thinking about yeah. it that I'm not, I'm not accustomed to thinking about, like, well, let's create habitat for cuckoos. <laughs> Cuckoos are so cool, though. No, they are. They're, I they're, totally they're agree. Call, I, I love their call, and I would absolutely love to get a recording of a call, but they only ever call, like, twice, and then, you, then you're then you standing there for, like, an hour, and it's just silent, and you're like, well, I missed that chance. <laughs> and it's just the, the quap, quap. I, I love that. That's 
It's a fantastic call. Yeah. I, I made the call because I know I don't have a recording to show anyone. So. <laughs> oh, really? I thought that was a call. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we were looking around the living room trying to find, <laughs> trying to find where that cuckoo is. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So that one is fun. And then um, next after that was the first social event, which was Birds and Beer mm-hmm. and connecting the bird world. And so this one, this whole concept of the birds and beer, birds and lunch, birds and coffee was just an absolutely new concept that is just so creative and ended up being so much fun. Yeah. Of course, there were a few, you know, mix-ups. And there, there was a learning curve, which which was which was hammered out by day two. I think he was oh, yeah. was when Luke had. But by the second by the second one of these, I think everything was completely hammered out, and it was it was rolling super smooth. Like not to say ours wasn't smooth doing the birds and beers. It was it was pretty smooth, but it was. A couple of hiccups, and he cleared those completely up by the second by the second session of it, and it was it was fun. It was a ton of fun. So we were hosts for this first one for birds and beers because you know we like to drink beer, and, and we like birds, and we like to talk about things <laughs> with some authority. Um, so just to read his description of it, so we'll use Zoom breakout rooms for smaller groups, mix it up every ten minutes with a new birding host, and then they offered door prizes too. Which the door prizes were really good. They were like binoculars and like five hundred dollar gift cards to things like yeah, di- different trips and st- some of the trip companies. Uh, Saber Wing Nature Tours is giving away. Um, I, I think they were giving away a five hundred dollar gift certificate for them. Well, I uh, didn't win anything. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so, anyways, so there were a lot of different speakers with it. There was uh, Rob from Saber Wing, Clay from Swarovski. Um, Richard from Zeiss, us, Jen Hodge from the San Diego Bird Festival. So just a couple of the people that talked about it. But what we did was that there was about, I think, 180 people or so that signed up for that specific event. Yeah, I think that's how many were logged in. Yeah. Yeah, so we had a few minutes where they just talked to everybody about what was going to happen. And then um, Luke... He, the poor guy was in charge of everything. <laughs> One person to manage 180 people all on their computers. 180 different connections around the world. I know. Anyways, so he threw us all into different rooms. And so, like I said, Eric and I were the hosts of one. And so each 10-minute section, we would be in a breakout room. And then we'd have, like, 18 new people each time. And mm-hmm. so then we would do our spiel each time and talk about it. And then... Um, the next 10 minutes we do the same thing. So Eric and I talked about, um, you know, the, the secret question from this last year. So our topic was what is birding? And Mm -hmm. I thought we had some fantastic conversation from other people. Like we, um, we gave, you know, a few minutes of what the podcast is and what our secret question is all about. And then, you know, we gave some of the answers that people had had throughout the year, like Taiki and Heidi's, we listed those all out. Um, and then we just asked people, you know, what is birding to you? And it was just crazy about the conversation that we had, you know, with some of these folks about like, well, it's really just getting out in nature. And it's, you know, some people are like, well, it's really fast paced and I love it because it, it's competitive and it gives me something to do. And some people just really like enjoying the backyard birds. Well, and, and it also, a lot of people said it was very, they really appreciated that we were able to say out loud what they've always thought as it doesn't need to be competitive. They, they don't, they don't, they can call themselves a birder. They don't have to feel bad about calling themselves a birder. 
even though they only sit on their back deck and bird. Yeah. Because it's, it's, you're birding. It's bird, birding, birding. And so it was, it was reassuring to a lot of these people that, a lot, a lot of the people that attended or that, or at least they said it was reassuring. I don't, it, <laughs> maybe they were, they were just trying to make us feel better. I don't know. That's fine. But that's fine too. But um, it, it, they said it was reassuring to hear somebody, somebody say that, yes, you're, you are birding and you are a birder. If all, if all you're doing, if, is watching watching birds and enjoying them off your deck. Yeah, sort of so, so that, I mean, that was that was a lot of fun. We kept saying like we don't we don't think the birding should have gatekeepers, and so if you call yourself a birder, like you're a birder. Like yeah. I mean, there's nobody to say no, you're not because you don't do X, Y, and Z. So I I didn't realize that there was that kind of it's not a stigma I guess that kind of feeling amongst people like well I'm not a birder because I don't do this. Yeah. So I was. Excited that we could maybe break down some of those barriers and, like, have those conversations. So, I really enjoyed it. I had yeah, it a good a lot, time. It was a lot of fun. And we drank some beer. I feel we, like... We had to provide it on ourselves, but we, well, we drank some. Yeah, good. so Tucson, Arizona, we're going to invoice you for, like, $15 for a six-pack. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I said, it was a great time. There were some hiccups, like Eric said, like, uh, that they were trying to, like, break us out into rooms and... Like, at first, it took a lot longer than they anticipated it was going to, which, I mean, you can't know that until you're in the middle of it. Yeah, so, no, totally not a big deal. That, that's, like, impossible to run a, a dry run of, okay, well, we're going to do these breakout rooms. And there's going to be 180 people. <laughs> but there's only four of us in the Autobahn that are going to try to figure this out. And to, like, doing four, moving four people into breakout rooms that are separate and keeping them mixed up each time is one thing. But trying to move 180 people and keeping hosts together... And then also keeping people separate. It's, well, and we had moderators too, yeah. so they could help, like you know, with questions and like muting people and things like that. And that was one of the things I thought was interesting is that um, they didn't just automatically mute everybody in the like main room when we were all together, um, which was perfectly fine. Like there wasn't anybody, you know, Zoom bombing anybody. There wasn't anybody, um, like you know, that you'd hear them yelling at their dog. Like, that didn't really happen. Like, most people most people were responsible enough to, if they had to yell at their dog, they just muted themselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's what I thought was interesting, is that we were in this huge room with a bunch of people, and we were having, like, good conversations. And people yeah. asking, you know, Luke lots of questions, and um, that he was able to answer them while he was doing all his other stuff. Yeah, b before we went into the breakout sessions, there was a whole, we had, like, maybe 15 minutes or so of um, just, like, chit chat and it it worked there was a hundred there was almost 200 people in in a meeting together and we were able to have chit chat kind of idle chatter that didn't get out of control which was crazy like a, one person would say something ask somebody a question they'd answer it and then there'd be a pause for a second and somebody else would ask somebody else a question and it was it was kind of like oh everyone's listening in to all these different conversations they're a little bit slower paced than what they would be if you were sit sitting face to face in a social, but it was still like people were socializing across people that don't know each other, people that do know each other, do knew each other, do know each other. Well, anyway, it, yeah, it, it was awesome. like being able to network with people that like otherwise you might, you know, not approach. Yeah. Um, and beforehand they asked like, oh, so where's everybody from? So everybody in the chat room was like messaging, you know, where they were from and just people from all over. I didn't see any from um, outside of the U.S. other than I think there was one guy from England. 
and I'm sure there was others that just maybe didn't say or I missed it. Well, so many of them popped up. It went so fast. They say, okay, well, just type in the chat, like, where you're from and what's your favorite Arizona bird is or something like that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like 180 people all answer and that chat just raced by so fast. But it was incredible to see how many people were coming from places outside of Tucson. Like, sure, there was a kind of a core group of folks that are from Tucson and were attending. But there were people from New York and people from Florida and Oregon and just all over the place. And not that... just us from Oregon. There was someone from our hometown in Tualatin. Yes. There was someone like, that we said need to Portland. Find her. There was someone that said Vancouver, which isn't Washington, but it's it's right there. And there was there was a bunch of people that were like, like here in Oregon. It's like, oh man, there's a whole group up here in the Northwest that's going to this festival virtually. So that was that was exciting. Yeah. So yeah, that and that was a really fun session. Um, so the next day, so that was it for that day. And then the next day they had another, um, one of those kind of events. So birds and lunch. Um, and we didn't really get through so much of that because we were busy cleaning. <laughs> so I just it, kind it of lined right up at lunchtime. Yeah. So I, I kind of listened out. to a couple of things. Um, I listened to Clay talk. He's from Swarovski. Um, he was talking about the best ways to phone scope, which I had no idea what to expect from, the optics companies. I thought it was going to yeah. be like, this is my piece of optic equipment and it's the best because of this. And I thought it was just going to be a sales pitch, but like it wasn't. And it was really great that he was talking about like some of the, the best ways of phone scope. I also was in the next session with Richard from um, Zeiss and he was talking about 10 ways to help birds. So, I mean, it had more substance in everybody's presentation than just mm -hmm. like, this is a pair of binoculars. It's great because of this. Yeah. So I, I was really surprised by that because I had no idea what they talk about. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, well, I guess you, it's, it's like impossible because you, you got to show somebody face to face, but yeah, to, to try to do a sales pitch. Well, yeah. So but like just to, to give your company more substance than just like, I want your money. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but they could have been like, I have this pair of binoculars. It's an eight by 42 and I have yeah. this one. That's this and like, this is how you clean it. Or I, I don't know. That's what I expected. Um, that would have been an interesting, like, uh, interesting topic of um, caring for your optics. Like, uh, caring for your optics for beginners or something like that. Like, well, there you go. Whoever's listening, yeah. if you want to do this next time. I don't know. Like, like certain, th like, things that you should use in order to not ruin the, um, the rubber armor on your binoculars. How to protect the film that's on your, on your glass. All that stuff. Um, I don't know. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also I listened to the one on Elegant Trogons, which is one of the best species, you know, to go see down in that area. And it was from the biologist with Tucson Audubon. So that was, um, that was also really cool too. And it's just, you know, the diversity of all these uh, different things that we were paying attention to, which was so neat that it's like you could go birding here with, you know, Giovanna, Giovanni. Um, talking about Columbia or just like a biology lesson about this bird or yeah, just swap, just swapping back all, all throughout all the different like random, random stuff that these people that are experts in things wanted to talk about. And a lot of these, you know, we, that was one of the things I forgot to mention in talking about birds and beers is that you could, um, they, they automatically like dropped you in a session, but you could go through and select a session if you wanted to, mm -hmm. like they drop you in the session and then you would pick down, you know, pick an option to move to a different room to find the right one. And, and the last one we did, there were all these people <laughs> like, I don't want to listen to this. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they leave and it's like, oh, but 
you're hurting my feelings. You I know. Just left. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but it was the last session, and there was some people that hadn't. There, there was they one wanted... particular talk they wanted to see, and they hadn't been placed in that group yet. So then they were like, "I got to get over to that one." I got. I'm sure that room was probably super full. I know, but it was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't do this on purpose. I, I didn't place you here. <laughs> it uh, was random. <laughs> but but just to that point, you know, that that's what was fun about it, is that I could go through this list of 15 different talks that they were going to give and pick, you know, the five that I'd want to go to. And I, I just kind of went with whatever they put me in, mm-hmm. which ended up being really interesting and different topics that I, I wouldn't have listened to otherwise. Yeah. I got, I was listening to it kind of. And then I, my phone, like I said, I'm same, same thing. <laughs> I had my phone in my pocket and I kept losing service <laughs> and it was entirely on my end. So it was, it was no good, but I, I started to listen to, um, to one of them about the best plants for attracting birds. And it, it was like, it was going really well. And then I lost service. So that's so good. And so then I, I ended up just dropping from the entire thing. So I listened to like the first like two minutes of one presentation. Wow. I got to hear the whole intro of the birds and lunch. And then it kind of disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after that was uh, how to study and learn bird songs and memorize anything. which One that I really wanted to do and we were busy. <laughs> Neither of us sat so through. I didn't. And then, and then I was, I was kind of, I guess, too lazy to go back because all of the sessions were recorded and for a couple days were still available. And I, I did not go back and listen to it. And I really am regretting that. Okay, so, and then the next morning was another Birds and Coffee event uh, that had a bunch of different speakers in that one, too. So, we didn't get through that one because, like Eric said, we were busy and not... Doing lives and having a job. I know. <laughs> and then the last event was another Birding with a Purpose event um, where they talked about uh, birding and conservation in the Patagonia Mountains and how a diff- how this creek that's in it... Um, is a great location for different wildlife and what mining has done to um, threaten this biologically diverse area. So that is really interesting as well and definitely a place that I want to go check out. So many places <laughs> that I want to go see. <laughs> I know, seriously. We just need to like get in the car and drive. We can be distant from everyone, just stay in our car, sleep in the car. Which I'm... car are we going to take then? I don't know. Probably. can't sleep in the mini. No. So, but, but we have to put money in the local economy, too, or else we're being jerks. So, I, know. I don't know. Like all the people here that are just day tripping. I know. I, it's Catch-22. I don't I don't want to be near people, but I also don't want people to suffer because I'm not spending money there. So, I don't know. It's hard times. It's difficult. Everything you do is wrong. It doesn't matter what you do, it's wrong. So, that's kind of where we're at. Wow. <laughs> if, you tra- if you travel, you're wrong. If you don't travel, you're wrong. It's uh, Guys, he doesn't mean that. <sighs> He's I'm just tired. sad. <laughs> He's just sad his mustache isn't working out for him. I, I'm very upset about that. <laughs> so anyways, the festival I thought was a lot of fun. It was, you know, I don't want to say they put together, they put it together rushed because by no means did no, they do that. But it was put together like, you know, pretty quick before it was out. Yeah. Well, cause I mean, how long ago did you find out that COVID was a thing and we can't travel? Anymore? Yeah, that's true. So it was in March basically. Yeah. Like we, we knew People knew about it long before March, back in December. But when the United States started, started taking it seriously, it would be about March. Well, anyways. Now so, we're in August. So, so um, <laughs> you know, 
we were bummed that we couldn't go to the festival this year, but we thought that the virtual festival was really good. Yeah, and it's a really sure. good model for other festivals that are looking to do the same thing. I thought the Birds and Beers event was just a ton of fun. Mm -hmm. It was really unique way to, to engage with people and also have these short sessions, you know, that you can see a whole lot of different things. Um, so we wrote kind of a pro and a cons list. So pro accessibility isn't limited based on location. So you don't have to be in Tucson to attend this festival and participate and contribute. Um, so there are people from around the world. So that was a really cool part of this festival. Yeah, and another positive for this is that they, they were taking full advantage of a platform that many of us have already been forced to learn how to use. And that's uh, Zoom. Throughout this COVID pandemic, like, a lot of places are either using Zoom or Google Meet or something along those lines, Skype, that they weren't super familiar with before. And now everyone is, everyone's an expert or close to it on how to navigate these virtual meeting places. And, and I was really impressed. Like the festival was skewed older. Um, and as, as all festivals. Yeah. And, you know, most of the older folks didn't have any problems yeah, with it no. at all. And, you know, we're still doing, like, meetings here in town with some of the different, like, local business owners that constantly have problems with Zoom. Um, so, anyways, yeah, I thought that was a really good use of the platform. Yeah. And, you know, most of us, like Eric said, are familiar with it already. It was really easy to and simple to register for the event, attend, and participate in every session. They sent out, like, the day before the festival every they sent out an email for every single session that you had signed up for. So you could just click on the zoom link mm -hmm. and then it would take you there. Um, and then after the, the session, they would send you an email. I think it was like asking you to review it or something like that. Well, so there was, it was uh, a summary of what happened, contact info for anyone that was in the session, anyone that was presenting in the mm -hmm. session, and then a link to the recording that they took of the session. So you could go in and re-listen to the whole thing again. And like I said, I only got a, I only got a chance to go back and listen to one, part, part of one. And then the one that I wanted to listen to, I never ended up getting around to going back and listening to it. I'm sure the recording is probably somewhere hidden out there in the, in the ether, but I didn't get to listen to it. But yeah, they sent out links for how to, how to get back to that information afterwards. So if, if you registered but you didn't end up attending, you, you could go back you got and busy, watch it. You, you could have gone back and, and watched it, which was nice. So you weren't completely locked into it's at 3 o'clock and or whatever. Well, and that's something with like the festivals that Eric and I have been to in the past is like, we'll guide for the day or, you know, be on a field trip or something. And then in the evening, try to go chase whatever was found that day. And mm -hmm. so then we'd miss the keynote speak. Or, 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 we, or we'd miss some of the afternoon sessions or something. And it's like, oh man, I wish I really, I really want to go to that. But, but there's a, there's a booby out on the pier yeah. or, or there's, or there's something. It's like, I'm going to go get a lifer. Yeah. So I think, <laughs> Um, in the future, it would really behoove some of these festivals to um, to record it or, you know, just do like Facebook Live for speakers. Yeah. Because, you know, I know they make money on speakers and like registration and all that stuff. But um, I think we're getting to a point where we need to utilize these resources. And also... There, there's, there would be ways that they could only allow registrants yeah, to, to view these that's things. That's true. So it... It, it you wouldn't necessarily be putting something out there on the internet for anyone to get it for free. So yeah. so the per, so the um, presenters could still be compensated for their time. Yeah. No. I, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying that you might consider it in the future. Yeah. 
So then when we go chase birds, then we, we can... Then we can go back to the hotel at night and watch the pre- presentation. Yeah, eat dinner, watch the presentation <laughs> in the, our own good time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so another thing that we really liked about this was that there were engaging conversations that took place despite how many huge numbers of people were in the meeting. Um, and like we said with the birds and beers, you know, there's 180 people that that came on at any one time and we were still able to have like good conversations. Yeah. Cross chatter worked well enough as, as well as you could ever expect better than you could ever expect from a meeting with that many people in it. Well, and I think with the chat feature, you know, it really allows people to ask questions that mm-hmm. they might not ask otherwise. Yeah. And there were, there were side conversations. I noticed a couple of different times there were side conversations going on that were like ancillarily and related, like related to what's being spoken, but they were just kind of following up on things in the chat. Like somebody else, either another, either a moderator or somebody else in the group that knew something about it was following up on the chat with each other mm-hmm. while, while the presentation's still going on. So it was, it was kind of nice, but it, and it didn't, de- I didn't feel like it detracted from the presentation itself. So it was, that was nice. And I thought the whole thing as a whole, as a full festival, ran very, very smooth um, from both both the presenter side and from the participant side. Like, the getting popped into breakout rooms, there there was like I said, there was a few hiccups in the first first one, but that's like you can't you can't anticipate it. You have no idea until yeah. you do it. And so the second and third one, no hiccups at all. Hannah, Hannah was just popping in and out of those rooms, different presenters each time. Mm-hmm. So it's not like she kept getting duplicated over. So it was it was awesome. Yeah, and I I definitely think for the amount of um, the amount of events and everything and people and everything, there could have been way more problems. Oh, there, and there, there could have been so many problems. And but... some of the things were internet related. So like when Virginia was talking, I think she lost internet for a minute, and so she had to go to a different room of her house, which. You know, Which was like a 30 second fix. Well, and that like so. totally happens. Like we live in a rural place that our internet service isn't great. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but think if you go to an actual presentation, a microphone issue. Yeah, that's like, true. Like th- th- things like that come up anyways. Yeah. Like you, you have an issue with a projector, like dro- dropping out your computer, going to sleep while you're showing your slideshow or, or whatever it is. Like some things happen all the time anyways. I guess my whole so. point is that we need better internet worldwide. And yeah. we need, um, what's his face from Tesla? You know, his, Elon Musk. Yeah. His, we, we need his, his Skynet. Or... His, no, it wasn't Skynet, right? <laughs> no, it's not Skynet. Sky, Skynet's Terminator. It's okay. going to get us it's the singularity. It's his 14 satellites that he's going to circle the world with. That... It was like 14,000 satellites Well, or yeah, but when we saw him, wasn't it only like 14 no, of them? No, it, it was like over 100. Did, was it? Yeah. Oh it my just gosh. kept going and going and going. Okay. When, when, we watched, when we watched that whole thing go over I lost back count, I guess. May, I think. Something like or that. maybe it was April. They they were they were they came out uh, came across at just the right time of day that the sun was shining on them so it was like in, in the sky they were separated by like two degrees I think but it was every every two degrees of the sky there was another one just boom 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 in a perfect straight line across so when we have free internet worldwide <laughs> it won't be a problem anymore but also a little bit scary yeah Skynet so, yeah or whatever he's calling it <laughs> I can't think of anything. I can't remember what it's actually called. You guys, you you'll yeah. you guys, you guys you'll all know. know what it is. It's, it's basically it's Terminator. It's, it's the end. So wow, <laughs> you're real dark this episode. Yeah. So anyway, some cons from this: we didn't get any lifers. No, no that lifers. Was a, that was a pretty big con. I I thought maybe we were gonna get a lifer around the festival because there was um there was a couple birds being seen up in Cla- up in northern Clatsop County, and I was thinking we could race up and go get them and. 
get a lifer. <laughs> and be like, oh, we got a lifer during the festival. <laughs> and it, it, sure, we were 1,500 miles away from the festival. But we got a lifer. But no, we, we never ended up chasing him, so. Um, the other thing was less personal time, or less personal due to, you know, less time involved in social gatherings and presentations. And we couldn't just like, you know, walk around with a beer and chat with people. So of it, course it, that personal interaction. That cross, cross chatter. It still, it still happened, but it just wasn't as much as what normally happens during a social. Well, and not to be selfish, but a lot of our festival time is spent with us networking with people and like chatting with people and telling about the podcast. And so we really didn't have a whole lot of that other than during that birds and beers, which yeah. is a personal issue. So that's not really a con for the festival because no. most other people aren't going to have that. But that was just something that I'm, no, I, so, I miss so like about for, a for vendors and for people that have wares that they're trying to, Hawk your wares. Trying to hawk. Um, <laughs> Which just basically makes me think somebody throwing binoculars at you and hitting you in the head. Yeah. <laughs> Take these dice. Here's my wares. <laughs> Anyways, like for, for that for that aspect, it's it's just it's very difficult to be a vendor that's trying to sell things to be interested in this sort of thing, but definitely building good goodwill with the community as a vendor or the community as a provider of trips or, or whatever it is then it's it, it was definitely a positive because you, you could be there you could chat people could get to know you personally rather you mean than at a festival or at this at the virtual okay it was... and, and, and the festival you, you spend a lot of time trying to sell stuff. hawking your wares or yeah. <laughs> or, or hucking your wares i guess hucking <laughs> across the room <laughs> changing it <laughs> it's, it's changed that's it but all, all in is all hawking, it was a... is hawking yelling at somebody about it and then hucking is throwing it at them Maybe hawking is throwing your words at them and hucking is throwing your items at them. I think I said that the other way. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe hawking is when you give it to a hawk and have it drop them on their head. I think it's spelled differently. It's H- I think it's H-O-C-K instead of H-O-C-K. No, that's, hawk- that's hucking. No, no, no. Hucking is H-U-C-K. I don't if know. You, if you huck something at someone. Oh, like a name, like Huck Finn. Sure. I thought it was hawking, like H-O-U-C-K. I don't know. This is this is going to go on and on. We're going to hash so, this out. So tune in next episode. We'll continue this conversation, <laughs> or not, <laughs> because you don't want to listen to it. Um, so, anyways, we had a good time. Yeah. It was uh, fun being a presenter. It was fun being a participant, and we look forward to um, other future virtual festivals and also in-person festivals. We, when we look we can more do that forward again. to those, but if they don't happen, the virtuals next best thing. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe in the future, a mix of it. I think that's what yeah, Columbia you, is talking about doing. I, I doing, can see a mix working. I think they said like 70% virtual, 30% in-person. Hmm. Something like that. That'd be interesting to participate in that yeah. somehow. Um, so other than that, thank you all for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Maybe learned something. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music, anywhere else you listen to us. If you'd like to connect with us on socials, please follow us at Hannah Goes Birding and Eric Go Bur- Goes Birding on Instagram. That's Hannah with an H, Eric with a K. Our Facebook is Hannah and Eric Go Birding. Our Twitter is at We Go Birding. And you can email us at Hannah and Eric Go Birding at gmail.com or check out our website, gobirdingpodcast.com. Um, tell us what you thought and tell us what you like and how much you like us. <laughs> or tell us how much you hate us. Yeah. I'll read, I'll read those emails. Okay. Yeah. Just address them to Eric because I'll cry. Um, and you know, share the love birding with your friends.